This morning's scripture reading is found in John chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. John chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Pew Bible, page 886. <clears throat> he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you could see God, I mean with your eyes, if you could see God, it would be the most profound, the most wonderful, the most amazing experience that you have ever enjoyed. We sing a song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And one of the phrases in that song goes like this, just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. Truer words were never sung. If you could see God, he is awesome, he is amazing, he is astounding. If you could see him, it would be the most tremendous, the most amazing experience in all of your existence. He is marvelous, he is mighty, he is majestic. That's who our God is. And yet we worship someone that we've never seen with our physical eyes. We see him with the eyes of our heart. We see him with the eyes of faith. If there was one word that could be used in scripture to describe God, it would be this. It would be the word glory. G-L-O-R-Y. That is the most frequently used word to describe what God looks like. His appearance, his presence. It is glorious in every respect. I'd like for us to give some attention this morning to that phrase, that idea of the glory of God. Sometimes in the Bible, the word glory is given as a noun. It is a noun. It's something that God possesses intrinsically, inherently. He is, in all of his attributes, a God who is possessing glory, a God of glory. But sometimes the word glory is used as an adjective. Glorious is the way we use it in English. His glorious presence, his glorious nature. And so it's a descriptive word to describe what God looks like, what God is. Sometimes the word glory is used as a verb. We use the word in English glorify or give glory. Glorify or give glory. And it's interesting to think about the fact that the Bible commands us to give glory to God. 
Whatever you would do in word or deed, whatever you would do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. We're to give glory to God, but the thing is, we're not adding to him something that he doesn't already possess. We're merely confessing that which is true about him. He is amazing, he is awesome. He is astounding in all of his ways. He's glorious. And when we give glory to God, we're just saying about him what is already true. People have always struggled with the idea that they can't see God. Always. In the Old Testament, God manifested his glory in a number of ways. But nobody ever fully saw him. Back in the Old Testament, you have, for example, passages where God is described and his glory is described as being revealed in a fiery cloud. You remember the wilderness wanderings? If you have your Bible with you this morning, open it up to the book of Exodus. Old Testament book of Exodus. That's where we'll start in our study this morning. As we think about the glory of God, the fact that he is amazing, the fact that he is marvelous and majestic in all of his ways, it's all summed up in that word glory. And when people looked at this fiery cloud, they saw something of the glory of the God that they were following. Those Israelites were slaves down in Egypt, you remember? And God said, let my people go. He told Pharaoh and the Egyptians, you better not hold on to them. Pharaoh and the Egyptians decided that they didn't want to let their slaves go. And so God visited them with 10 plagues. At the end of those 10 plagues, Pharaoh and the Egyptians encouraged the people of Israel to go. And God led them out into the wilderness. And do you know how he led them? The Bible says God appeared to them by day as a pillar of cloud and by night as a pillar of fire. The glory of God, the greatness of God. They didn't see God per se, but they saw his glory, something about his greatness, his magnificence in that fiery cloud. Look, if you would, at Exodus 24 and look at verses 15 through 17. When they came to Mount Sinai, they stayed there for an entire year. And the Bible says as they first arrived at the mountain, they saw things that they had never seen before with their eyes, their physical eyes. They saw some things that helped them to understand who it was they were following. Who is this God that we have followed out into the wilderness? Who is this God that has delivered us from slavery? In Exodus 24, beginning in verse 16, the Bible says, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. The greatness, the magnificence of God, the the fiery cloud, if you will. How did it rest on Mount Sinai? It says the cloud covered it six days. The seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So the Israelites, if you can imagine this, are looking up at this mountain and they see this cloud come and rest on the mountain. That's no weather phenomenon. That is something miraculous. That's something visible that's trying to manifest to them something of the greatness of the God that they're following. And it's awesome. It's like a consuming fire. It looks like the mountain is burning in the eyes of the Israelites. The glory of the Lord being manifested. Later on in Exodus 40, when the tabernacle was constructed, the Bible says that this cloud, this fiery cloud, it lights upon the tabernacle itself. And the priests and Moses, they couldn't go into the tabernacle because the glory and the radiance of God's magnificence was so powerful. They couldn't come into the tabernacle because of that. 
when Solomon built the temple, the physical building later on, centuries later, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, the same thing happened. The glory of the Lord descended upon that, that temple and filled it. People have struggled with the idea that they can't see God, and Moses struggled with that. Even though they could see this fiery cloud, even though sometimes people were given visions of God, it never was the same thing as actually looking God in the face. Moses asked for that. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Right after the Israelites had sinned by making the golden calf, Moses was angry, God was angry, and God said, I'm going to destroy these people. Moses interceded and God relented. Then God said, go on into the land on your own. I'm not going with you. And Moses said, no, God, there's no way that we can survive. There's no way that we can go into the land without you. We want you to go with us. And again, God said, I'll go. In Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 18, Moses made a request. Moses, who had been the intercessor, he had been the mediator between the people of Israel and God, pleading on their behalf. Moses said, God, I want to see you. I want to see what you're like. I've seen the fire and I've seen the glory of, 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 of you that's been revealed in these different ways, but I want to see you. And so in verse 18 of Exodus 33, Moses makes this request. He says, God, please show me your glory. And God responds in verse 19 of Exodus 33. God says, Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll be compassionate upon whom I will have compassion. But, verse 20, you cannot see my face for man sh no man shall see me and live. God says, Moses, you can't see me. You can't look at me. You can't see my fullness, the radiance of my glory. No man can do that and live. That's what God says. There are all kinds of speculations about why that's true. Some people say, well, that's because of sin. Well, certainly sin separates us from God, but that doesn't seem to be the problem with Moses. With Moses, it's the fact that God just says, I'm too much. I'm too great. I'm too magnificent. And no one can see me and live the fullness of my glory. And so... God says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by you and you can see my back, as it were. That's what God says he's going to do for Moses. Then look on down in Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 5. In Exodus 34 and verse 5, the Bible says that the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now watch this. Moses wants to see God. And God starts talking to Moses about what he's like. I'm going to describe myself to you, Moses. You can't see me with your physical eyes, but you can hear about me. I want to tell you what I'm like. And so in verse 6, the Lord passed before him, Exodus 34, 6, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. What's God doing? He's saying, this is what I'm like. If you could see me with your eyes, this is what you'd see. This is what you'd say about me. I'm merciful and I'm gracious. I'm patient, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. I keep mercy for thousands, verse 7, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So instead of seeing God with his eyes, so, so to speak, God proclaims, this is what you would see if you could look at me. I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm forgiving, I'm compassionate, I don't clear the guilty. Those are the kinds of things that Moses needs to know. Notice Moses' response in verse 8. Moses makes haste and bows his head toward the earth and worships. And he says, if I now have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. In other words, Moses says, all right, God, if that's really what you're like, we need your help. If that's really who you are, if you really are gracious and compassionate and merciful, if that's really what you look like, then God, we need you. And therefore, God answers Moses' prayer and goes with the Israelites. But Moses, when he said, let me see your glory, show me your glory, Moses was told, you can't see it. Now open your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the apostle John, by inspiration, writes this book. And John says that Jesus in a very special and a very unique way revealed what Moses could not see. John chapter one verse one wants you to think about the book of Genesis in the beginning. That's how it starts, in the beginning. Think about the book of Genesis. But when you get down to John chapter one and verse 14, John wants you to think about the book of Exodus. The word became flesh and the literal Greek word is tabernacled among us. John wants us to think about Genesis. Jesus was there in the beginning. He is the creator. He himself is God. That's what John 1 verses 1 through 3 declares about him. But then in verse 14, the word God, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. And notice what he goes on to say. And we beheld his glory. What did Moses say he wanted to see? Show me your glory. And God said, Moses, I can only tell you about who I am. I, I can show you a glimpse of what I look like. You could just see my back. But I want you to know this is who I am. This is what I'm like. And so Moses heard words about who God is and what he's like. And now John is saying something very unique about Jesus. When you look at John chapter 1 verse 14, watch this. The word became flesh. The things that had been heard about God, the things that God had revealed about himself all through history had been in the form of words. Yes, people saw fiery clouds. Yes, Isaiah saw a vision of God in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Yes, Daniel saw one like the Son of Man sitting on a throne in Daniel chapter 7. They had seen visions, manifestations of the glory of God, his greatness, but no one had ever seen God this way. And what the Bible says about Jesus, brothers and sisters and friends, is this, that when Jesus came to this world, the Word, God himself, was putting on flesh, just like you and I have flesh. God was doing that. That's who Jesus is. He is divine in all of his attributes. The word became flesh. 
and dwelt among us. It's one thing if you wanted to teach somebody to play tennis. It's one thing to give them a handbook and say, here are all the rules to tennis. Here's what tennis is all about. Just read this book and you'll know everything you need to know. You'll be a great tennis player. It's another thing to take somebody out on the court and to show them how to swing the racket, how to backhand, how to forehand, how to lob, all those things. It's another thing to take somebody out and show them the mechanics and watch them and let them emulate you. And what's being said here about Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became flesh so that we could see how God wants us to be and who God really is. Notice in John 1:14, we have seen his glory. Who's the we there? Have you ever stopped to think about that? Who's John saying, we have beheld his glory? We have seen his glory. Who's he talking about? He's talking about him and the other apostles and the witnesses while Jesus was on this earth. That's who he's talking about. We have seen his glory. John literally saw Jesus Christ. He was a friend of Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. And if you just turn over one chapter for a moment, look at John chapter 2, verse 11. In John chapter 2, verse 11, after Jesus turns the water into wine, here's what John has to say about that, just so we understand. In John chapter 2, verse 11, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. The majesty, the power, the greatness, the magnificence, the glory of God could be seen in Jesus. Partly in his signs, John chapter 2 verse 11. We have seen his glory, but not just that. All that Jesus did manifested the glory of God. Notice in John 1.14, what kind of glory did we see? We saw the glory as of the only Son of the Father. My kids, unfortunately for them, they look a lot like me. When they were younger, they looked a lot more like me. When Daniel was about five and Abby was about three, we were in a Cracker Barrel in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. There was an elderly man, as you know, in Cracker Barrel, you walk through the, you know, the, the, the shop before you actually get to the restaurant. We were going to check out, there was an elderly man standing there, and as we came around the corner, he burst into laughter. And I thought, do I look funny? What's, the, you know, what's the problem here? And, and this man, he looked at the kids, and he looked at me, and he said, there is no way you're going to deny those two. <laughs> they look just like you. Jesus looks even more than my kids resemble me, but they don't look exactly like me. Jesus perfectly, precisely, in every way, looks exactly like God because he is God. And so when John says, we beheld his glory as of the only son of the Father, what he's saying is, when we looked at Jesus and we saw the miracles he could do and the, the words that he taught, when we saw his sacrifice on the cross, this is exactly what God is, because he is. No one can deny it. 
full of grace and truth. Now it gets interesting even more. Full of grace and truth. You remember what Moses heard? When God said, I am full of mercy and compassion, grace and truth, the exact same terminology that God used when describing himself to Moses in Exodus 34. Jesus is full of both grace and he's full of truth. That's amazing. Jesus has revealed the glory of God in a way that nobody else could. As you look on in John chapter 1, notice Moses only heard about the true glory of God. He couldn't see it with his eyes. But the apostles said, we have seen it in a way that has never before been displayed. It wasn't in a fiery cloud, and it wasn't just in a dream vision, and it wasn't just in a, in a bush that appeared to be on fire, but it wasn't. We haven't seen God that way. We've seen God in a way that nobody else has seen before. It's in the life of Jesus that we've seen the glory, the greatness of God. Look at John 1:17. The Bible says, the law was given through Moses. In the law, Deuteronomy, Exodus, Genesis, those books, in the law, we hear about God saying, I'm a God of grace and I'm a God of compassion and I'm a God of long suffering and I'm a God who does not clear the guilty. But now it says in Christ, not only are grace and truth revealed in words, God saying, this is what I'm like, but now they are revealed in a person, in Jesus himself. In John 1.18, John tells us no one has seen God at any time. He wants you to think about Exodus and what you read in the book of Exodus about Moses. The only begotten son who is at the side of the father, he has declared him. Jesus came to this world, brothers and sisters and friends, to reveal God in a way that nobody had ever seen before. And in fact, when Jesus revealed God to us, he did it perfectly. You can never see him in this world, in this life, more clearly than in Jesus Christ. You need to behold him. Jesus revealed the glory of God. He revealed his greatness. I started this lesson this morning by saying, if you could just see God face to face, it would repay instantly all the toils and heartaches and sufferings that this world could ever pile upon you. Jesus has revealed it in a way that is astounding and magnificent. My question, as you think about this, and Jesus, by the way, said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I'm a perfect representation of him. John 12, 45. John 14, verse 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He's just like me because I am God. I'm divine. Now, my question for you this morning is this. Have you beheld the glory of God as revealed in Jesus Christ? Have you beheld it? We can't see Jesus in his physical form, but we can listen to the testimony of others. John says, I wrote my book, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. I wrote these things down so that you could have a faith in him, so that with the eyes of your heart, you could see the greatness of Jesus Christ. That's why I wrote these things down. That's why I put this in this inspired gospel. Over in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter says this. Peter, by the way, who saw with his own eyes Jesus Christ. Peter said, speaking about Jesus, though you have not seen him, past tense, you haven't seen Jesus with your own eyes. 
Ryan told me that the batteries would hold out. He said, John, it's got two bars. I said, Ryan, you never know. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Have you beheld his glory? You and I need to read about Jesus Christ. We ought to spend more time reflecting on his amazing attributes. Have you beheld his glory? Think about what others said about him. When some calloused Roman soldiers were sent to arrest him, they came back to those who sent them and said, no one ever spoke like this man. A centurion at the cross, having seen the way that Jesus died, said, surely this man was the son of God. Matthew 27, verse 54. Have you beheld the glory of Jesus and what others said about him? Jesus could heal any infirmity. You know, when we deal with aches and pains, when we deal with more serious medical issues, it helps to think about the fact that the God that we serve is the great physician. On one occasion, a nobleman came and prayed about his son. He said, Lord, my son is sick. He's got a fever. He's at the point of death. And Jesus said, your son lives. Go your way. And when that nobleman got back to where he had come from, sure enough, his son had been instantly cured of that fever. The glory of Jesus Christ. He returned good for evil. He told us to pray for our enemies and to bless them. Matthew 5, verse 44, and he exemplified that. When someone struck off the ear of the high priest's servant, Jesus touched it and caused that ear to grow back. When Jesus was being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Luke 23, verse 34, have you beheld his glory? This is who God is. This is what God is like. Have you thought about his glory? He is a friend to the friendless. When people were outcast, forgotten, on the skirts, on the, out, on the fringes, Jesus Christ walked into those people's lives and befriended them. He eats with sinners and tax collectors, Matthew 9, verses 11 and 12. When we see Jesus, we can behold the glory of God. He gave the light of truth to the world. He never, ever deceived anyone. He never, ever told us anything that would be harmful to us, that would be the wrong decision. He never misled. He is full of grace and truth, John 1 verse 14. He gives us the truth so that we might be set free, John 8 verse 32. Have you beheld his glory? He died, he rose from the dead, and after that resurrection, the Bible teaches that he was exalted, glorified at the right hand of the throne of God. Acts 2, verses 32 and 33. I didn't see any of those things with my own eyes, did you? But I believe the people who said, this is what we saw. This is who Jesus is, and therefore this is who God is. And because I believe what these people wrote, and I believe that what they, saw, they said about him is true, as Peter puts it, 
even though I haven't seen him, I can love him. Even though I haven't seen those deeds and those things happen with my own eyes, with the eyes of faith, I believe that they're true. And so, when John says, we beheld his glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth, when we saw him, John wants you and me to think about this. There's only one who has fully revealed God to us. And he wants us to give our lives to that person. This morning, have you beheld the glory of Jesus Christ? Something that Moses only wanted to see, you and I can see revealed in him. Put your trust, put your faith, put your hope in Jesus Christ. Believe that he really is the exact representation, the exact image of God. Behold the glory that's in him, the amazing things that he did, the wonderful works, the wise counsel. Submit to him in every aspect of your life. Become a Christian. Participate in the new birth. Scripture says that just because we believe in the Lord doesn't mean that we're going to find salvation. It's when we believe and we put that belief into practice, we obey. Repent, be baptized, participate in the new birth that only Jesus can give, John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Maybe you need to make that commitment this morning. Maybe you need to respond and to obey the gospel. Behold the glory of Jesus realize that he is compassionate and forgiving and come to him in faith while together we stand and while we sing.